Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, our topic is France, a country that's just gone through an extraordinary and traumatic week. First, terrorist attacks on the magazine Charlie Hebdo and at a Jewish supermarket, and then over the weekend, demonstrations by millions of French citizens in response to the killings. Joining me in the studio is Hugh Carnegie, who until recently was our bureau chief in Paris, and on the line from Paris is one of our correspondents there, Michael Stollard. Hugh first. Could we in any way see this coming? Was this a reflection of tensions that have been building for some time in French society? In a way, yes, you could say that this wasn't a surprise on, on two levels. Firstly, the government itself had been warning for months that there was a heightened risk, a very serious risk of terrorist attacks. What the government had mostly been concerned about and indeed made public was that France has been the source of one of the biggest numbers of Europeans going to fight in Syria and Iraq and joining up with groups like ISIS, the very extreme Islamist group that now controls such a large part of territory over there. And one of their concerns was there would be blowback, what the intelligence community apparently calls blowback. In other words, radicalized young people who'd been in the Middle East would come back and bring the fight back home. That is something, as I say, that the Prime Minister, Manuel Valls, for example, had explicitly warned about, and the authorities had been concerned about for some time. But then, as you've suggested also, I think, and this is to some degree a symptom of it, although it's a very complex subject, there is this issue of disaffected young people particularly across predominantly North African and therefore Muslim immigrant communities where unemployment is very high and a feeling of dislocation from the traditional French political establishment is pretty extreme. And there is certainly a strong sense in France that this has been at least a large part of what has led to ultimately the kinds of alienation and then extreme radicalization, which turns back into a violent incident like we had last week. Although, as I say, I think it's a very complex subject and one has to be careful not to oversimplify. Sure. Michael, and then, of course, you have these killings and then these extraordinary demonstrations over the weekend, which I think were unexpected in just sheer numbers of people who came out. It's a few days on from that now. What did people make of it in retrospect? How are they interpreting the kind of mood that it reflected and the changes it might bring about? Well, I think there's still very much a feeling of togetherness and solidarity against, you know, Islamic extremism. I mean, you just have to see Charlie Hebdo this morning sold out in minutes. They've raised the production run to five million copies. Everyone I spoke to this morning was saying, you know, I wanted to buy one to show my support for Charlie Hebdo and for French values and for free speech. So I think there's very much a sense of solidarity. And there's the support for free speech, and yet free speech of a sort that many disaffected or radicalised Muslims in France obviously find offensive. So is there a danger that this display of unity could actually, in a way, lead to more social division? 
Well, I think that's a big question. I mean, you only have to see how a very controversial comedian called Judone was put under questioning today for a joke he made about the Charlie Hebdo massacre over the weekend. And lots of French Muslims here are saying that there are double standards over free speech. When Charlie Hebdo draws what they consider to be extremely offensive cartoons, it's free speech. But when Judone makes a joke about the massacres, you know, he gets in trouble for inciting racial hatred. I mean, it's obviously a very thorny subject. Are there clear distinctions that the French government is capable of drawing to put some coherence into its policy? I think the distinction is that one is supporting terrorism and the other isn't, which is a fairly clear distinction. You know, his joke was seen to be supporting the act of the massacre. But more generally for Dudonne, he made a joke last year about the Holocaust and the gas chambers, which got his show banned and got him into a huge amount of trouble. And I think a lot of his supporters wouldn't draw much of a distinction between his very off-color or very offensive humor and Charlie Hebdo's humor. And I think they would say there was a double standard and that it's okay to insult Islam in France, but it's not okay to insult you know, other religions. And they see this part of a wider sense of discrimination, which ties into exactly the point that he was making, which was this body of disenfranchised young Muslims who don't feel very French and feel put upon by the French society. So, Hugh, I mean, turning to that broader French society, France was already in a bit of a state politically and economically, a lot of disaffection, President Hollande's ratings down at as low as 13%, the far-right National Front actually coming out as the largest party in the European elections earlier this year. Is it possible to anticipate how the bulk of French society is going to react politically to this? I think it will probably reinforce existing trends rather than be a change. There's a lot of talk in France about the before and the after, but I remain a bit sceptical as to whether this is really going to fracture what has been the political trend of the last couple of years. If one is to be gloomy, it may reinforce it. And that's to say that the political mainstream, that is the two main parties, the Socialist Party of President Hollande and the UMP centre-right party currently led by former President Nicolas Sarkozy, have rallied together to a certain degree. President Hollande has had what has been seen to be if you understand the context, a good crisis. He's performed well. His ratings indeed have gone up. But where I think the real fracture is, is with those who were, as you've mentioned, veering towards the national front. The danger in this situation, I think, is that the effect of last week's attack is to reinforce those in French society who don't have much sympathy whatsoever with the types of disaffected immigrant-based communities that we've been discussing and who indeed are susceptible to the National Front's very strong campaign against immigration, against or certainly in favour of much stronger immigration controls, who campaign very vociferously against what they see as the Islamicization of French society. We have seen apparently something like a 400% rise, I read this morning, in the number of clicks on the Front National's Facebook page in the last few days. And Marine Le Pen, the leader of the National Front, I think will be all out to exploit this to the utmost. So obviously the government, Michael, must be 
clearly aware of the dangers of polarisation in French society as large. It's early days yet, but do you have any sense that they have a, a strategy or a way of trying to keep the positive unity that emerged from the marches and ward off the forces of polarisation? Well, they've been making a big play. Valls yesterday in Parliament was using big rhetoric of national unity and togetherness. And, you know, we are all Muslim. We are all Charlie. We are all Jewish. We are all, you know, we are all French. And uh, I think they're just going to try and continue along that vein. But they very much know that the FN is likely to make a lot of hay out of this. And finally, both of you, Let's look briefly at the larger context, the European and economic context of this. I mean, France is not the only country that's struggling with these issues of immigration or indeed with a deep and long-lasting recession. Well, I think that was very well shown by the number of European leaders who came quickly to Paris on Sunday to join the big demonstration. As David Cameron, the UK Prime Minister, said, we want to show our own solidarity with the French because we know this kind of thing could happen back home. Uh, similar reaction from Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor. And we've seen, indeed, in Germany in recent weeks, uh, very large demonstrations by a new anti-immigration group, which is holding uh, marches across the country. So there's clearly a considerable fear elsewhere in Europe on two levels. One is that the similar sort of terrorism attacks could hit other countries. And at the same time, they, as you're saying, have got to deal with exactly the same rise of a populist right, or in some cases, a populist left, which threatens their political mainstream, and a great deal of political challenging of the status quo in terms of immigration and the effects that it has. And finally, Michael, I mean, as we say, it's a Europe-wide phenomenon, but people will be watching very closely to see um, how France reacts. We've talked about the kind of mood music that the government will try to emphasise in the coming days. Do you anticipate any changes in policy in, in any sphere, in immigration, economics, some effort to try to turn the situation around? I don't think that there will be any sweeping changes, but I do think they'll be able to use the crisis and the sense of unity to push through, I mean, this sounds cynical, but to push through their existing agenda. And there's this loi Macron, this package of reforms, which goes going through the government at the moment. And it's about stimulating economic growth. And it's about bringing the whole country up to a more positive, you know, trying to have a more sort of positive feeling in the country, which is very depressed at the moment. And I think if they can do that, I think they'll feel that'll be a step towards you know, fighting the kind of problems that exist in France and in some cases can lead to extremism. Michael Stoddard in Paris, thank you very much indeed. And thanks also to Hugh Carnegie here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic t-shirts, soft, structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim, all made right here in the USA, with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23.
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code GRATEFULAG23. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.